Carlos Mendoza, new Mets manager, joining us right now. Carlos, congratulations. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, guys. Scott, AJ, Kratzy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you got a good crew. Doing? We're great. Dímelo. So, yeah. fría, there you go. Take us through. <laughs> well, now, Kratz, you got you to gotta translate for us. Help us out. Oh, no. It isn't cold there. It, it is. I just yeah. came from outside and, uh, you know, right, right into it. So, so Carlos, let, let's just start with the intro press conference. Um, how was it and what was the most interesting question that you got? Man, that's a good one, Scott. Um, it was a great day. You know, it was a really good day. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm glad that my family was able to uh, come up, especially my parents, uh, flying all the way from Venezuela, you know, last minute. Not, a, not, 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 not easy, but uh, I'm glad that they were able to come and uh, enjoy uh, this special day. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was great. Uh, a lot of familiar faces. Uh, and yeah, I enjoyed it. So as far as the happier. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's New York, right? Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I was pretty prepared and, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. Who was happier? You or your family for, for you to get this job? My family, for sure. You know, not that I wasn't, I was, you know, I was, uh, I was speechless, you know, dream come true. Right. But, uh, my family, because as you guys know, uh, all the sacrifices, you know, especially my wife and kids, uh, you know, um, and then my mom and dad, but especially, uh, you know, wife and kids, and all, you know, daddy's away from home for a long time. And with me doing winnable for the past couple of years, like he was, he was, he was a sacrifice, you know, all the way, you know, when I started coaching and playing and, uh, so yeah, it was a, it was a big day and, uh, you know, we enjoyed it. You were, you got to the big leagues finally in 2018, right? When you got on the that's Yankees. Correct. Yeah. In your time in the last, so that's six seasons. Have you wanted to be a manager more? Like, has that made your, like, passion to be a big league manager more? Or have you seen things that you're like, eh, I kind of like being a bench coach? No, you know what? Uh, I, I was always trying to be the best version of Carlos Mendoza, right? How can I help guys? How, you know, just be the best best version of yourself, right? And, you know, at the, at the time when I first came up, I was – the quality control coach slash infield coach. And at the time, I didn't know what the quality control was supposed to do. Was supposed to do and, <laughs> you know, um, but then once I became a, uh, the bench coach, you know, that was my biggest thing. How can I help Booney, uh, you know, and take as much as possible off his plate, you know, and uh, that was always the goal. Uh, opportunities came and uh, I had some, uh, some experience talking to other teams, uh, you know, for potential managerial interviews and all that. But, uh, I'm very excited about uh, joining the Mets now. Carlos, can you do us just one little favor, please? Can you just sure. center yourself? Because we want to see all of your face. We don't only want to see half. So there you go. No. Oh. Oh. See how you're kind of off to the side? I know. That's I better. don't know. Better? Okay, that's, no, see, you keep moving. There, there you go. Perfect. There you yeah, go. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay! Got it. Got it. Welcome, to the, <laughs> welcome to the New York media. There you go. I, I, the first question, because I don't know you, obviously. I don't think I've ever met you, but Kratz knows you. says great things. People have said a million great things about you. So the one question I want to know is you're from Venezuela. So right. was Oz, Ozzie Guillen has – please tell me he's not your hero as a Venezuelan manager. <laughs> Dude, I got so many stories with him because when I first started playing uh, in Winnable, I played with Ozzie. 
you know. He, he, How old he was, was he? Like sixty years old at that time. <laughs> uh, he was towards the end of his career, you know. Probably his last year. Uh, so yeah, and then uh, when you guys won, uh, he brought the trophy. Uh, Joy Cora was the manager at the time. Uh, uh, in yes, Winnipeg. he was, was our manager, playing. right? Yeah. So uh, I, I was a player for Joy in in Aussie. You know, kept coming back, and he will hang out with us in the in the locker room. And yeah, I know him pretty well. <laughs> so, well, no, because you're. I think I, now. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're only the second full time. Yes. Venezuela-born manager, yes. right? It's you and yes. Ozzy. So yeah. I mean, when you go back to Venezuela, that's a huge deal. Because listen, I've been around Ozzy for 20 years now, and he, <laughs> Venezuela, 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 right? He tells the stories when he goes back. People still are like, "Oh my God, you're Ozzy Gian." Yeah. So now, for you to be the second guy, and you talk about your parents and your family and everyone, I mean, that has to mean so much to not only you but also Venezuela. Yeah, it's, it was a great day, uh, not only for uh, for Vene the Venezuelan people, but the Latin community. You know, like uh, especially with the people that knows me and I mean, what I went through and the grinding. You know, playing in the minor leagues, not reaching the uh, the big leagues as a player. And uh, getting an opportunity to coach at the big league level, and now you know being named the manager is is it's been is is you know it's something that I don't take lightly. I'm very proud of it, and uh, you know I'm happy to represent uh, our country. Did Ozzy yeah. call you? Did Ozzy call he you? He texted me. Oh, I was gonna say that son of a bitch better like at least reach out to you. Otherwise, I'll yeah, call him he... right now and be like, "Hey, what are you doing?" <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, he texted me. I saw him uh, this year. We, we talked at the stadium where we're in Chicago. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of stories, you know, as you, as you know. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them you can't tell on the show either. <laughs> we can tell. We can tell. We can tell all of them on this show. But yeah. if, if he's a White Sox, like AJ's a White Sox, he doesn't necessarily want you to do great because he wants to be the jefe in Venezuela. So, you know, AJ doesn't really want the White Sox to win another world championship <laughs> because that way he's always the, oh, you know, we're the only one to win the world championship, all that stuff. So don't let Ozzy take take your take your flame away here, okay? No, uh, uh, you know, he'll be very proud, if, you know. Hopefully that's the case, you know, that we're having this conversation and, you know, he'll be the one uh, – Coming to Venezuela <laughs> with that yeah. truck, hopefully, right? So now when you now when you came to the United States in '97 and you were playing in Salem, yep. Did you think it would take this long till you were like having a moment, like having a moment that like meant, wow, you know, I am now like I've arrived, or did you think, hey, I'm going to be in the big leagues super soon, just like my hero? So, Kratzky, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, the goal was always to play in the big leagues. I was just surviving. <laughs> you know, I was, you know, 1996, you know, coming from Venezuela. I thought I knew a little bit of English. And I remember, you know, uh, getting the first day of instructional league. And the coach said something to me as, you know, as simple as like, how was dinner? or How was your flight? I had no idea what he was telling me. I was like, oh, my God. Like, you know, not only the language where I didn't know what what to expect, you know, like. Let alone, like, yeah, the goal was always to play in the big leagues, but it was just a big transition for me. 16 years old, coming to another country, not knowing the language. It was, it was hard, man. It was hard. I have tons of great fan questions. I actually want to start with a statement first. So Mike in our YouTube chat said, I wonder how much easier the transition is since Carlos doesn't have to worry about uprooting his family since he's just taking a job 
across the city. I'm sure you were looking for the right fit, just like the Mets were looking for the right fit. But it doesn't hurt that you're still in New York City, right? Yeah. And I was, you know, when David first uh, called me and, uh, you know, like to start the interview process, uh, my kids and wife, they were, you know, very, very happy because they love New York. You know, this is this been home for us the past six years, you know, and they're pretty familiar uh, with everything, you know, here. And, and uh, you know, the fact that uh, I get the opportunity to stay here in New York and now do it with the Mets as the manager is special for us. All right, so here's another one from Armand who wants to know if you'll have final say on the coaching staff. I know, I think you were asked yesterday about it. You you probably haven't gotten to all of that yet since you just got the job. So um, sure, if you want to just lay out your entire coaching staff or your wish list for us, we'll take it. But if not, how does the process work? Like what's next? Do you sit down and say, hey, here's who I want. Does the front office say, here's people that we've already spoken to? Take us through the process. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of names thrown on the table right now. Uh, we're going back and forth. Uh, we got a lot of positions that we need to fill in. And, you know, we're just beginning that process now. Listen, uh, the news came out, I think it was last Monday. But there was nothing I could, you know, we could have done because I needed to go back, you know, pass background check and all that. So I was kind of like feeling with my hands tied, you know, it was like, man, I got to get to work. I got to I got to call people. I got to call players, you know, and that didn't happen till Friday. So we are in the very early stages of putting together that coaching staff. And like I said, we're, we're getting calls and texts and uh, we're throwing out names out there. Uh, to kind of narrow it down and, and start the interview process for a lot of the positions that we got here available. The, Mendy, uh, I don't know about your background check, but you are not you are not passing the physical, so I am sure <laughs> they didn't give you a physical. Uh, I passed, Gratzy. Okay, good. good. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you passed. <laughs> what uh what is what what is David Stearns like? Did you know him before this? No, no, not yeah, I knew not. I knew him from from being with the Brewers. Bruce. What is right. your what is your impression of David Stearns in the little week and a half, two mo- month that you've known him now, and how he's going to turn this Mets organization around in the city of New York, which you've been in for the last six years? Humble, super smart, but somebody that cares about people and relationships, you know, and that goes a long way for me. You know, uh, that's what I'm all about you know, people, relationship, process. And, you know, he's just a great human being, you know. When I first started talking to him, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, like uh, this is a humble guy, you know. And uh, we connected right away and, uh, you know, going through the process. And uh, it was great. And I'm happy to uh, partner with him. So I'll mix in two fan questions that are kind of on the same topic here. This is very popular all the time. So you'll get this. More from fans than from media, right? Because we know that in an organization, almost all of them, there's a pretty good mix of information that's being um, passed around that helps to make decisions, right? So Ronald said, are you allowed to make your own starting lineup every day? Are you allowed to make in-game gut decisions during a game? And then Liam asked, how do you like to structure your lineups? So all around that topic of how you get to that process, which you're coming from a team where you were with the Yanks, you got to see how that worked every day yeah listen it's not a secret that everybody's using some type of information right uh when it comes down to making out a lineup and uh, you know uh, managing a bullpen all that the information is great but i think 
it comes down to people, getting to know the people, having a feel for the game. You know, this is a game of adjustments, you know, and, and you're going to go into a game with playing A, B, C, and D, and then you're going to have to execute playing and, you know, like you name it because the game will tell you what you're going to do. You know, as far as lineup construction, there's a lot that goes into it, you know, like who you're facing, you know, like there, you know, what's your roster, you know, is is that's where it starts, you know, but the information's great. But at the end of the day, it's about having a feel for the game and being able to make adjustments. There's an art to it, right? When you're managing, when you're coaching. And um, that's all part of it, yeah. But to answer your question, you use the information, but then, you know, you that's why you prepare. You know, preparation gives you confidence. And uh, that's how I'm going to approach it, right? Uh, you have to make adjustments. You, I'm going to surround myself with great baseball people, great baseball minds. Uh, they are going to be prepared, but, you know, they're going to be there to support me and advise me, you know. So, yes. Carlos, what did you learn from Aaron Boone? You were there for a while underneath Booney. What, what was the one thing he said to you that stuck and that you're going to carry over now to the other side of town? When you go in the subway series, you're going to be like, oh, Aaron Boone taught me that. I'm going to use that against him. <laughs> oh, look, a lot. You know, I, I consider him a friend, uh, big brother. He gave me the first opportunity to coach in the big leagues. Uh, number one thing, he's – Consistency, especially here in New York, having a good support system outside of the baseball field, which is my family. Uh, uh, I learned that a lot from him, too. Uh, and then just uh, how the way he earns the respect from his players, you know. And uh, that's something that just by watching him uh, doing his team day in, day out, uh, I learned a lot from him. What's the one thing you're going to miss the least about being a bench coach? Oof, uh, spring training scheduling. Dang it! I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Besides spring training schedules, <laughs> man, those are long days. I mean, I remember my first year doing it back in 2018. I was getting to the ballpark at 4 a.m. and I was getting home by 7:30, and I still felt like, man, I, I don't have enough time, you know. And uh, but I had great people around me that helped me and guide me through it, and um, you know, I could say that. Uh, last year, you know, when I was doing it, uh, I wasn't getting there at 4 a.m., but I was getting there pretty early. <laughs> I was there in 18, your first year, and you didn't look panicked at all. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, I, fake it. <laughs> I guess I fake it well, you know, but I wasn't getting much sleep. <laughs> you were, you look like a chicken with his head cut off. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You saw it right away. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't easy, man. It was a it was a big, big tra transition for me coming from the minor leagues. Even though I was doing uh, some of that as a field coordinator, lower level field coordinator, uh, you know, coordinating spring training uh, in New York uh, is is a challenge. I'll I'll keep being the uh, the fan question guy. So Mills um, asks, do you think you'll have a better relationship and rapport with Spanish-speaking players as opposed to other managers that don't speak Spanish, I think is what he meant to say. Can you relate to them more? Is the communication that much better? If yes, how would that manifest itself after all is said and done? Look, uh, the way I see it, you have to treat everyone the same. You know, Yeah, I'm bilingual, and that will help You know, in some of those conversations that I, that I have with some of the Latin players. But at the end of the day, you treat everyone the same. You know, you respect everyone. You earn the respect from everyone. Uh, and that's, you know, building relationship, uh, having those connections, showing that you care about people, whether you're, you know, from Venezuela, from Dominican, whatever that might be. It just, it's about, it comes down to 
people and relationships. And no matter where you're coming from, you're going to get, you know, the best version of Carlos Mendoza. Have you hopped on the seven train yet to get to your new job? Uh, not since I got the job, but when, uh, when for the subway series, I did <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I didn't want to drive. I just took the seventh train and let's go a straight shot. But now you're, but now you're the jefe. Now you're the guy. I don't know about the jefe, but, uh, <laughs> dug out jefe. <laughs> you're the jefe. Yes. Yes. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I love getting, getting on that train, but, uh, we'll see how, how it goes. <laughs> So, Carlos, uh, getting, uh, getting a lot of questions from fans asking about the dynamic of mixing in young players, right? It was talked about a lot last year with the Mets. Hey, we've got some prospects. How do we time out when it's best to bring them up? Which, obviously, the front office has a say, too, because you're not watching the minor league games all the time. But even once they get up to the big league level, especially, especially if it's a top prospect, making sure that they – develop but also get everyday reps so that they're not coming up there and having to sit unless I guess maybe it's late in the season so what what have you observed I know you were with the Yankees so you probably haven't gone too in depth yet on the current situation but what do you observe from what the Mets have in terms of some of the younger talent that got to mix itself in last year and the dynamic between that and maybe having to tell a, a veteran player hey we gotta we gotta push you aside a little bit you know, there's a lot of talent here, you know, and especially after they made those moves uh, in the, uh, during the trade deadline and uh, they acquired some of the players uh, that are going to be ready to, you know, to compete here in, uh, in New York. And uh, I'm excited to have those guys. And there's always development, you know. Uh, you're always teaching. You're always coaching, whether you're, you know, a prospect or whether you are a established player, you know, they, 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 wanna, they want to be coached as much as possible too. And uh, that's the balance, right? But uh, at the end of the day, just creating an environment where, when it, where everybody feels welcome, you know, especially these young, young players coming up. I think it's important for them to feel comfortable. Because uh, at the end of the day, it's just baseball, right, that you're playing. But uh, holding them accountable, showing how to prepare and how to respect the game and how to play the game the right way, those, those are some of the things that are important to all of us. Carlos, have you slept since you got hired? Have you slept since you've been told you're the manager of the Mets? Uh, better now, AJ. Better. Okay. You know, a little bit better because okay. because my next question is 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 you're I you think you're in the manager's office, aren't you? Because the thing I am. I am. So how long does it take you to rearrange the office? Have you already taken Buck Showalter stuff and been like, you're out, I'm in. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> now I came in for the first time yesterday, you know, and he was ready to go. And listen, uh, now that you mentioned Buck, man, like so, I'm not replacing Buck. Like this is a potential Hall of Famer, right? And don't forget the fact that they won up, you know, more than 100 games in 2022, you know. So he started to create a cult, a winning culture here that I'm just coming in and looking to continue to add to that culture. So a lot of respect to Buck, you know, uh, competing against him. You, you, you better, you need to be prepared. So, uh, yeah, this is, a, this is an honor and a privilege to be sitting here. Okay, so as the new manager of the New York Mets. Have you reached out to Lindor? Have you reached out to Pete Alonso? Have you reached yeah, out to all some of these guys? Do you, is that the first thing you make? As soon as they say, hey, Carlos, guess what? You're the new manager of the Mets. So you're like, I need all these guys' numbers. Because I think if I was ever hired, 
the first thing I'd want to do is get to my 100%. players and introduce myself, right? 100%. And that's what I did. But again, I needed to pass my background check, AJ. So wait, no, this, do they fingerprint you and they run you through like the, the database? I mean, no, how, it's just like information that I needed to be filling. And then it takes, it takes a few days for, you know, for them to go through it. Uh, but as soon as I got the green light, you know, I, I think I've, I've talked to pretty much every position player. Uh, I'm still texting guys. Uh, they, they don't know my number, so I'm still waiting to hear from them. But the guys that you mentioned, you know, Lindor, uh, P, Nemo, McNeil, all of those guys, all, you know, uh, Edwin Diaz. Uh, I spoke with all of them. Man, like the other day I had a conversation with, uh, with Pete Alonso, and we were on the phone for like 45 minutes. And, you know, I felt like we could have kept going. So, no, it's been great. It's been great, AJ. Can, so last one here. Can you give us like one really interesting piece of info that you learned, say, in that call with Pete or with any of the Mets players that you were like, huh, I didn't think about that? No, uh, I don't think anything stuck out. It was more like getting to know each other. Uh, you know, I want them to get to know me as much as possible. You know, uh, I got to earn their respect, you know, and that's going to take time. And it's uh, starting now. So that's the purpose of making these phone calls now. And I'm planning on making making visits and and, and uh, have a face to face, and so they can get to know a lot more about Carlos Mendoza. You know, Carlos, gracias for your time, but I got one more pregunta for you. Okay? Yeah, crazy. How soon are you getting thrown out of your first game? Because you said you learned a lot from Booney. So how oh. soon is it? Are we talking <laughs> April? Or are we talking May? Because it's Listen, cold in April. Bring training. People, uh, people talk about that he's never managed before at the big league level. I was told, uh, I don't know, somewhere in the middle of the year when Booney, you know, in the period of, you know, in a week, he got thrown out like three times. I was like, man, you're the 31st manager in the big leagues, you know. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I got to manage quite a bit by being the bench coach for Booney, but, you know, I love him. So That's awesome. That's why he's big brother, because he, he allowed him to kind of get, get some reps yeah. in there. So, yeah. Carlos, congratulations. We'll, Thanks, we'll talk to you in spring training. Enjoy the ride here in the offseason. No, it'll be busy as hell and have fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks, AJ. Hey, when, you swing by Lindor's, when you swing by Lindor's in Orlando, feel free to stop by. Lindor can buy us both dinner. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We're here. We're here. <laughs> Cheers, Thanks, Carlos. Guys. Thanks, Carlos. Take care. Thank you. Gracias, Carlito. Awesome. Awesome. He was awesome. Great energy. So you, know, you know what? Yeah, I was going to say, his energy and the way he – like you could genu you know, sometimes when you talk to managers, you kind of look at them and you're like, is he really excited? Or are they just stressed? He was you could just feel like his genuine excitement. That like, I'm the man he's he's literally thinking his minor now. He's like, I'm the manager of the New York fucking Mets. Like, let's fucking go, Mets. And I'm gonna live that right. Up and every I'm gonna day. live it up and I'm gonna do it. And and dude, I mean, he's a guy you like wanna let's go, man. Like, I wanna go play for that dude. So some some skippers though, Kratz, you know, they give you the whole play cool kind of thing. And often I feel like it could be someone who played in the bigs for a while and maybe has a little bit of an ego or whatever. Like this guy never made it. Never made it, which some people will be like, he might be super giddy, like, oh gee, Willikers, I'm the big league manager. No, he's he's going to show you when he's pissed off. He's going to show you when he's happy. And he brings a positive consistent message that, you know what, like what he said, he's like, I'm always trying to be the best, whatever his title is. He's always trying to be that best title, minor league coordinator, 
big league bench coach, quality control coach, whatever it is. And he's always trying to do that. And that's what he does. Like, and he, he has those conversations with guys. I would have loved to have heard how much Pete talked. I had so many more questions, but how much Pete talked compared to how much Los talked, how much, you know, Mendy talked compared to how much Lindor talked. And, you know, he, he just has a great feel. Yes, he's bilingual, so that helps so much. Yes, he played. But also, he was in the minor leagues. He was seeing the analytical stuff. He was seeing how information was passed on to Booney that he might be like, I don't know if I should hand this on, but I'm handing this on. Or, wow, yeah, he needs this. And so as a manager, now you're able to filter that and say to your bench coach, whoever he ends up choosing, hey, I don't want that. I don't want that information. But his bench coach has to be a guy that has to be able to say, Mendy, like, you need this. And he's a guy that will say, okay, I do need it. It's like you have this big, huge ego, and yet you want everybody to try to bust your ego. Also, you know, what's that to me is when he said, you know, everyone should be treated equally. Well, duh, right? No but in my mind, I mean, you guys can tell me this. If a manager, and I'm, I'm not saying they shouldn't have a job for it, but if a manager can't speak Spanish and there is a player that only speaks Spanish, is that player at a disadvantage because he can't have the same communication with his manager without a translator? I mean, you guys are the players, so you tell me how that works. Is there an issue there sometimes for a player who feels like he can't really get the same vibe or he's kind of scared and you just have the language barrier? It's real. Then that manager has to spend that much more time talking to that player. If you don't know Spanish, if you don't know enough Spanish to make a player feel comfortable, the same thing will happen if you have a Korean player, if you have a Japanese player. Like you have to make him feel comfortable, whether that means, you know, finding out if him and his, that player and his interpreter are close, or if the interpreter is just there, just regurgitating the words that you say, because you can translate things. But how you translate them in your inflection and how excited you are or how pissed off you are when you're telling somebody, that's how you get to really make that connection. And you saw it. You, you guys all saw it. I saw you guys typing in the Slack. It was like you guys could see this guy has something different than other people. And you guys have all talked to hundreds of different managers in your careers. And he has that. And yes, he's bilingual and he can translate that in Spanish to those guys so that they know. Because Venezuelans even speak a different Spanish than Dominicans and Puerto Ricans. So, you know, the slang that you use is really that connection too. And your inflection, like sarcasm. Like if somebody spoke, if somebody spoke Spanish to me, if somebody used sarcasm in Spanish to me, I'd be like, I don't know what he means. So you got to think about that from an English standpoint toward to somebody that kind of knows Spanish. So that's where the connection and the extra connection as a manager that he's going to succeed with is, is going to come into play. Oh, I mean, you're talking about interpreters when Tadahito Aguchi came over, he brought his friend that was his interpreter. Yeah. He didn't speak English. The yeah. interpreter didn't. Yeah, we had to get rid of him after like six weeks because he couldn't speak English. Oh no! The poor guy. He was so embarrassed. Oh, because he picked him. He brought him, him over because he was like his buddy. Yeah. But he's he's like I speak English. But he G Man did that. G Man he... Choi did that. I played with G Man Choi four straight seasons. He didn't have an interpreter. Mostly in the minor leagues, we played together. <laughs> he didn't have an interpreter. 2019, we played together. All of a sudden, G Man Choi's got a 
interpreter. I'm like, why does I asked one of the guys on the Rays, I go, why does G-Man have a does he have an interpreter? Is it because he did better last year and they got him an interpreter? They go, no, it's his buddy. So he was like <laughs> explaining to his buddy what was happening. And then G Man, it was it was hilarious, but his interpreter was awesome. Yeah. So that, that's like a free all yeah. access oh. pass for a friend. Except we needed a Gucci to be able to communicate well, with Well, yeah, yeah, that's so he, We out. would talk to him, and the, inter- and the interpreter was like, he'd look at you, and you're like, okay. <laughs> so we had to get some random guy. Like, I don't know. Like, we had to get some random dude to come in and interpret. It was it was crazy. It was funny. The dude was awesome. He was funny as hell. I, I have w- one more thing, and then, then we'll slap. So he, he mentioned this multiple times, Carlos, and I thought it was a little bit standout as well. I'm like, this got announced already. I said, where's Carlos Mendoza? We knew that he was going to be the Mets manager for about a week. And there were lots of jokes online. Like, is this the, you know, physical situation like we joked about? We'll say this just for context, because we can talk about this shit on this show. There are a lot of names in the past 10 years that have been either part of a manager or GM conversation with the Mets that have not made it through for a variety of reasons. That's probably why I would think they have a more extensive background search process. Sure. So the the easiest one is... Um, uh, Wally Carlos Back- Beltran. Wally Backman. That was wasn't he whatever. Be the oh well, that was a while ago. Yeah, he was Diamondbacks. But I'll give you the direct examples. Huge problems for Mickey Calloway. Huge problems for Jared Porter. Zach Scott had issues. Do you, some of these names you might have already, like, already forgotten. Even, I don't even know the, you're about. Porter and Scott were both. Um, well, Scott was the what was what the acting GM for a little bit. Yes. So oh, it, remember the old. Remember the one just guy? Google all these guys. Who but was I'm saying the old these two? are recent. Was it Joe McElwain that was? In Port St. Lucie, sunbathing naked, was that? See, you're going to go too far back for me. I'm talking about dudes in the last few years, but I'm just saying. Carlos, G- great the guy dude. Was the but... GM of the Mets. What was his name? McIlwain? That's uh, not during my time dang. period. I don't know. I know the names that Scott's talking about because we talked yeah. about him before, and it was like he was the one guy was, he was like the GM for like 56 days or something like that. It was crazy. Womp womp. I, I think that was Zach, McElvain. Zach Scott. You guys are you guys Joe McIlvain. What year? God dang. Uh, ninety nine. Stop oh, it. Way back. Cool. Scott I was, was in high school. He was in middle what? school. Then. I was not in high school. I was in middle school. Um. So anyway, I mean, more, he went to a new beach. For the it kids, wasn't a new beach. That's kind of a good story. <laughs> this stuff was worse. <laughs> he went to a beach and he thought it was a new beach and he dropped trowel and it wasn't a new beach. Jeez. So he got. I mean. He was a great Andy, guy. He came over to the Twins later. Uh, he was awesome. They, they dealt Andy with some shit at point. Andy, yes, yeah. he did get some. The wrong place. Hasn't recovered since. But anyway, they, they dealt with some shit. So whatever. They did a longer background check. I was just, I'm actually interested in that stuff to hear that. It's like, hey, they, yeah. they, they put him through. They're like, listen, dude. We're, it was a we background got, check. We got a big background check because we had some issues where we didn't know about these dudes. And some of them had some serious issues. So uh, you can Google it. Uh What's it called? George, wasn't it George O'Leary, the guy who got the Notre Dame coaching job, football? And then they're like, yeah, you didn't really go to school. So, yeah. Fake resume out. stuff. Yeah, like he didn't it's even get a lot he of was that. A job, he was the head football coach at Notre Dame for like a week. And like, oh, we're going to we're gonna look into your background of like you have a master's in kinesiology and brain surgery. Oh, wait, you didn't actually go to college. It's crazy. It's crazy yeah. what the internet will do to you. You can sell yourself, but make sure you went to the school. <laughs>